You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I'm your host, Michael Kushner. I'm recording this intro for you from Florida. Yes, I just want to acknowledge that I am recording from the land of the Seminole tribe, and I am enjoying connecting where I grew up. I grew up in South Florida, and I came down for a little uh, get-out-of-the-city, get-things-done-on-my-computer <laughs> work trip before uh, before a busy fall. Uh, I'm enjoying some tropical weather, which include the storms, which I love just as much as the sunshine. And it's been it's been pretty relaxing and um, and just overall enjoyable. I'm really excited to dive into this next episode featuring Alex Mateo from the Pull It Together podcast. As soon as Broadway opens back up, you'll see Alex in Mrs. Doubtfire. You might have caught her in A Bronx Tale and Annie on Broadway as well. Her previous national tour credits include Dirty Dancing, Anything Goes, and The Addams Family. As always, I wanted to thank Broadway Podcast Network for allowing me to talk with you. Thank you to my audience who listens to every single episode. And if you're new, please download, subscribe, follow me on Instagram at the Michael Kushner or at Dear Multi Hyphenate. And also, if you're a big fan of Broadway podcasts, download the BPN, the Broadway Podcast Network app, because they'll all be in one place at one time. It's so amazing and so convenient. Anyway, I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode. Get into Alex Mateo. Enjoy. Hi, Alex. How are you? I am beautiful. How are you? Oh, you know, just uh, sitting in my closet that I've turned into a recording booth and just starting the day with a fabulous conversation with you. Yes, I love it. It's so funny when you chat with people who are like also in New York because you just see what like corner of their apartment they've commandeered into like a little office space. It makes me giggle every time. I know I have to, you know, uh, I, I was joking with Remy. It's like after I turned my closet into this recording booth, I, we're going to have to tell like the leasing office or the, uh, you know, the, um, uh, the people that this is where my brain is the people that <laughs> brokers good good michael great um that our, our apartment is not just a it's a, a two-bedroom but um there's now an office space in there and this is not an office space this is a closet fully converted but hey listen but it, we all gotta do what we gotta do it's crazy it's how you sell it's how you sell it truthfully it's how you sell it. So I'm so glad that you're joining me and your multi hyphenate. Now, you know, I like to I like to ask my friends that are joining me, like, what to you is a multi hyphenate? And that's okay if you don't have an answer or you have a very specific answer. I just I just like to it sort of grounds us and comes together and what to you is a multi hyphenate? Yeah, I think like for me a multi hyphenate is someone who has like a multi-passionate human being. And, you know, for me, I really fought that for a long time because as a Broadway performer and as an actor, I'm just like, you can only do one thing and you have to like devote your entire life to this yeah. or it's not going to be, you're not going to be serious. Um, so I really fought having these other interests for a really long time. And then you know, as I, I don't know how woo-woo you are. I'm fairly Oh, woo. I'm woo-woo. 
Great. Love it. So as I like approached my Saturn return, I just kind of realized that, oh, actually like what makes me a creative like human is the fact that I look at the world and I see something different than what everyone else sees. And that lens and that kind of like tweaking things as I go is what makes me a creative and what makes me an interesting person. And so I really started to embrace having different interests and embrace what like my eye was drawn to. And so, yeah, that's kind of a roundabout way of answering, but I just think it's anyone who sees the world and kind of wants to offer their own prism on things. I think that's gorge. Now, can you explain to the less woo-woo folk what a, what Saturn returns is? Just so just so we're inclusive and everyone's on the same page. Everyone doesn't know that? Weird. Yeah, all my friends think I'm crazy. <laughs> just so you know, like I'm the one with crystals. Like my whole dressing room at the Sondheim right now is like covered in crystals oh, and I love that. So I have much. my like essential oil diffuser right here, so oh. we're 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 in. We um, love. We love. But uh, Saturn return is basically Saturn makes its way a full rotation every I want to say like twenty seven years or uh -huh. something, um, but roughly around thirty years. And so every thirty ish years, you go through like this big kind of life change. Um, so, you know, and ob the obvious one is like in your thirties, like going from kind of right. that 27 to like 30 sweet spot, your um, own personal Saturn return, your own personal Saturn return. Yeah. But you know, then that happens again in your sixties, which is kind of around retirement. And it's, um, for me as like a performer, it's easier to think of as like, we have like these three acts of our life. And so it's like kind of the transition that happens, the intermission of those three acts. You know, I, I'm sort of experiencing my grandma go through an almost um, like an Oscar Wilde play or something because she's now going into she's 90. So that means she would be going into her fourth almost. You know, there was, yeah. the one, you know, 30, 60. No, wait, is that math? Wait. So it would be you, her like third Saturn return. Third but Saturn like return this like kind of fourth area of her life. Exactly. And I've noticed she's about to, she's turning 90 and I've noticed this different, I don't want to say different person, but there is sort of um, this uh, different energy that she is experiencing and living her life with. And, and that's, you know, really interesting that Saturn return is, it happens, you know, just about every 30 years because in the past few years, my Saturn return has been insane. That's when this whole multi-hyphenate persona sort of came about when I was like, okay, you know, they say being a psychopath is when you do the same thing over and over and over again and expect different results. And that's sort of what I was experiencing with auditioning. Uh, I was like, wow they're gonna get it today they're gonna get it today <laughs> telsey's gonna get it today tara rubin's gonna get it today and it never happened and i was eventually like what am i doing on this hamster wheel of like of i think i'm a brilliant performer and i think that my audition choices are brilliant but like am i doing it for me or am i gonna be a smarter professional 
and figure out my existence in this industry in other ways that feel like me, but I'm also serving a greater purpose. Yeah. I mean, you know, a very similar thing happened to me at my Saturn return, which was, you know, a few years ago. But um, I was very fortunate when I graduated college. I started Where'd kind of go? Boston Conservatory. Oh, great. We love the Boko kids. <laughs> I love the Boko kids. What um, year did you graduate? 2011. Oh, great. So we we would have been in college at the same time. I graduated in 13. Where'd you go? I went to Ithaca. Oh, dreams. I love yeah. that. Um, but I was really fortunate when I graduated that like I booked the first national tour of Adam's family kind of right away. And then I don't know why I'm saying this, but like when I don't know if they did this at Ithaca, but at Boco, I remember very vividly my I think it was my junior year. They sat us down and they were like, what's your dream as a performer? And everyone's like, to win a Tony, to like originate a Broadway role. And I was like, my dream is to just make my, pay my bills being an actor. And in the beginning, like that dream was totally enough. And I was doing it and I was, I felt really successful. Um, I had bounced back and forth from a few first national tours. Then I did a couple of Broadway shows, went back on tour. I was like, this is great. But this weird thing happens when you like leave college and you realize that like your entire life is not about what you do for a living. And I think everyone at some point in their life as a human on this planet figures that out. But it – and it hits people at different times. And for me, it was like I I cannot live on the road for the rest of my life. Like I can't no. – I can't do it. My mom's an interior designer. I'm a nester. I like to like have mm. like cozy feelings like the idea. And this was before Airbnb. This was before Uber. I was like living out of a Sheraton for like three years. It was right. rough. And in some ways it was incredible. Um, but so I, I, I got to this point in touring life where I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to set my roots down and I'm going to do Broadway. I'm going to wait for the Broadway show to happen because, you know, I gotten really, really close a, a few times and just didn't pan out. Um, and I was like, well, this, it has to be because I'm not there. So I have to go there and I have to do it. And then, you know, mm -hmm. what happens with goals is you achieve your goal and then you're like on to the next thing and you're constantly like chasing this thing. And it wasn't until I got to my 30s where I was like really in this relationship that wasn't serving me. I was not really booking the work I wanted to book. And when I do did, it just like wasn't landing the way it used to. And I was just like, I don't know. I felt like not burnt out because I still loved what I did, but I felt like I, my whole life was just walking into a room and being like, did I, did you like what I did? Did I do it right? Am I thin enough? Am I, do I dance well enough? Can I belt high enough? Like, tell me. Yeah. Um, and then kind of around the Saturn return time, I started to realize just like how much of that creative power I was like giving away to other people. And um, I started listening to podcasts. I was like very late to the podcast game. Right. Very, very late. But I started listening and I was like, you know, I could probably do this. I think mm -hmm. I'd be like like really good about it. And I, I have no idea what it would be about. I don't know anything. And I remember sitting down with a dear friend who I had done the Broadway production of Annie with 
kind of like a year after I had this idea. And he was like, well, I'll do it with you. And I was like, great. Because I don't know if you feel this way, but for me, doing something like in a group, I was like, great. So I don't have to have all the responsibility. If it fails, sure. it's not all me. It's sure someone else can help. And, um, you know, kind of within hours, we had like a Google Doc and a name and an idea mm -hmm. and all because very type A creatives. And um, like three or four months later, he was like, I'm getting married and I'm moving to Atlanta. And, you know, I feel like this thing could grow and I feel like I'm holding you back. And, you know, I was kind of at this crossroads again where it's like, what? what do I do? And I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to start trying to make it my own. And, um, I feel like I'm totally rambling by the way. <laughs> you're not, I mean, <laughs> you're not this, this all has to do with the, the self-discovery process of like, on, we should all be so lucky to have a moment where we go, there has to be more. You know what I'm saying? There has to be other ways. And I think I see a lot of artists that, like what I was saying before about being stuck on the hamster wheel of just getting pigeonholed into certain gigs or pigeonholed into uh, certain auditions, whatever it is. And that is based on not really taking initiative for the types of stories that we want to tell. And... I, I, I I think what you're saying is is really beautiful. You had that moment of awareness. And being an artist takes awareness. Not just because we have agents or just because we have magic managers who are helping us get into the rooms. It starts with us. It starts with going, I actually don't want to do that show. I don't I don't want to do that track in that show. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't know where, I guess it starts maybe in the collegiate world or somewhere before that. Oh, I think where... it starts like way early. I think that like from the time we are children, people approach like a life in the arts and life as really any kind of a creative, but specifically like performing creatives from such lack. And they're like, you have to, it has to be your everything because if it's not your right. everything, you will fail. And it's so unhealthy. <laughs> and there's also this weird paradox of like how the industry tells the stories of the industry, like how the industry is actually put into our own living rooms, like with like smash and, you know, how or just like, golly gee, I just got off the bus and uh, I, you know, three bucks, two bags, one me. And, you know, <laughs> you have to wake up for that non -ec you know, Beauty and the Beast tour at, at four in the morning, signing your name on the unofficial non-ec list that might get honored. Like you don't actually have to do that. These, these, these things that are brought to us of like, I know I'm going to wait tables. I know it's going to be hard, but like, you actually don't have to, you don't have to do that. I remember like from the time I was 18 and I was going to college and I have come from a very, very supportive family. Um, but as a joke, constantly, my dad would always be like, oh, my my daughter's going to college to be a waitress. I mean, an actress. And I'm like, oh, ah, it's funny. Yeah. But, I, and I think that, you know, I, I, something that I realized that 
I don't know if this has been your experience when you talk to people on the show, but like I realized that I wasn't actually getting like a ton of creative fulfillment out of my like creative passion pursuit and out of this thing that I did for a living. And it's not because I didn't love it. Like I love performing, Mm -hmm. um, but it's a business and it's, you know, one thing to be like in my community theater production of Footloose in Kansas being like, this is going to be everything I ever dreamed of. And then it's another thing to, um, be in New York and be living it. And, and it's something that I think a lot of people, regardless of your profession, are kind of navigating during these like weird COVID times is like your profession can't be your everything. Like you have to have other, other things that spark that, that creativity within you. And, and kind of my big like thing that I'm trying to debunk with this podcast that I started was like, we are all creative beings and we all have like this thread of creativity that runs within us. And I think that the people that are really successful, regardless of what they do, you could be a lawyer, you could be a PR, you could be a performer or an artist, are people who've tapped into that creative energy and figured out how to like work with it as opposed to fight it. And I think because it's approached from such lack, people fight it because they're like, well, it has to, this is how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be difficult. And it just, I think it sets up a really unhealthy narrative for Mm -hmm. not only people who are living it now, but like the future, like these future kids who are going to be on Broadway or on TV or on film or in museums. Well, there's a lot of things that the business has to figure out first, right? We have to what this pandemic uncovered, you know, this racial unrest, there's a lot that the industry has to figure out. But as artists telling our own stories individually, I very much agree with you that it there shouldn't be a disconnect between telling stories and allow and, and letting the industry dictate when Mm -hmm. it's appropriate to tell our stories and when it's not i on tiktok i literally i was doing this inspirational video and uh i was like guys i know this is a hard time but go sing define gravity go recite your shakespearean monologue and the industry the theater will be waiting for you and someone came for me and was like yeah, but like the theater industry isn't built for everyone. And there are people that like can't break into it because they're like, they're, they're small town theater makers. And I was like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. The theater to me is a mindset. And the theater encapsulates many different platforms and avenues. Like we could talk about Broadway. We could talk about specifically the New York industry. We could specifically talk about the national tour experience. I have lots of comments on that. (laughs) Which is so much different than the Broadway or off-Broadway experience because there's so much more that goes into it, which is different than the West End or the LA or the regional theater circuit. But theater happens everywhere and it can happen with a can and a stick you know, and 
I feel it, what what you're saying is really interesting because like I do think that the theater shouldn't be the only thing in your life or the industry shouldn't be the only thing in your life but at the same time the theater and the industry is the only thing in my life and I feel that the reason why I'm able to I mean I love traveling I'm a huge history nerd I have my boyfriend and my puppy and my family and their thing and drag race and and things that take me away from the theater. But I think the one thing that has not made me go crazy yet, not I'm not, you know, taking that off the table because anything's <laughs> possible is the multi-hyphenate experience because I'm not constantly showing up to EPAs and ECCs or appointments i'm only going to the ones that i really feel that my actor hyphen will do its best job in and i'm only producing projects that i really am passionate or care about or i'm only you know photographing a certain type of photography experience or i'm only writing in a certain way that i want to and i feel like that's why it sort of saved me is because then i could just pull my stories out based on the mediums that I want to tell them in Mm -hmm. well and I think that so I don't want to say like theater can't be anyone's everything what I'm trying to say is like you it's so important to have multiple things they can all be in the same vein they can be you can be someone who really loves food and have a cookbook and a cooking show and uh whatever like you can have your hand in a million pies and I think you should but I think that when you only have like when your only thing is getting up and going to the audition every day right your self-worth starts to get very tied into your productivity yes and I really noticed that with myself whereas like when I was in a show, I was like, I am the best version of myself because I feel like I'm doing what I was put on this earth to do. And I was like killing it. Um, and on top of it was validated, not only by the mm-hmm. industry, but like I get on stage every night and people literally applaud you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but then this like flip side of things would happen where like when the show closes, which everyone eventually does Mm -hmm. or when the audition doesn't go on go your way or like for me I've made my career pretty much as an understudy um if the other understudy gets to go on it's like these little things happen and it's like how do you stay secure enough in like who you are as a creative and who you are as a performer and and I think it's not it's figuring out how to put your self-worth in something that you do and something that you have control over as opposed to like someone else running the show. And for me, I just realized that I was letting a lot of other people run the show for me. Right. So I think this is a good time to bring up something that you emailed me, you you put in, in an email to me. And that was that you often talk about being a slave to the muse. Mm. Yes. What does that mean? So this is a subject that is like near and dear to my heart, probably because I've struggled with it and continue to struggle with it for my whole life as a performer. Um, So this idea of being a slave to the muse came up after me and all my girlfriends had our own separate therapy sessions and then had brunch, um, where all good ideas come from. Right. Um, And it was actually right before I started Pull It Together and I was sitting down and I was like, you know, I just feel 
like I want to do this thing, but I'm afraid that like the theater gods are going to look down on me and be like, you are not serious enough. And they're going to take away all of my success that I've had and all of my future success that I could possibly have. Mm -hmm. I was so afraid that like, you know, these casting directors would find out that I was doing something else and would immediately be like, well, she doesn't want to do this anymore. So we should give it to the other person who's really serious. And my friend Bly turns to me, she goes, oh, my therapist calls that being a slave to the muse. This idea that like you make your craft and something that is supposed to be joyful, this like deity in your life and you give it all the power when like in reality, we should be in like co-creation with the universe and with our creativity. And like if anything, it's going to enhance you as a performer and and for me, like the ironic thing was like when I had that other thing, when I started podcasting, when I started kind of just exploring these other sides to myself, I just like the pressure was taken off of like audition Alex. I was able to walk in the room and just be like, cool, I get to like go and dance for an hour. And if something comes out of it, amazing. And if not, I have like this other thing that I, is going on in my day. It's just – it, it takes the pressure off of it. And, and I think it circles back to this idea that like what – you have to pick one thing and it has to be your everything. Mm-hmm. And I just don't – I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true either. I, I We have to have world experience, life experience, which then in turn we can bring into our proficiencies and help us tell those stories. Well, it's interesting because it's actually very similar to like what you were saying. It's like control the stories that that are being told about our industry within our industry. And and um, I was talking with Katie Weber recently, mm-hmm. and she she's great. You should have her on your podcast if you I haven't yet. She's a dream. I would love. Um, and I I was talking to her kind of about this. She she recently wrote a cookbook, and I was like, you know, did you have any resistance come up around that? Um, trying this other thing. And she was saying like, you know, when I first got into the industry, I remember being, you know, 18 and looking at people in their thirties and just being like, that must be so sad (laughs) to have to like do something else. And I, you know, it sounds so silly and like we can laugh about it, but like, I remember that too. Like I remember remember being in a dance call and having someone be like, oh yeah, I started this project and I'd be like, well, she must not be really great at it. And it's like these stories that we tell and then we like validate instead of like what I think is so beautiful about what you're doing and what I think um, this pandemic has really highlighted for so many creatives is like, we should be doing a ton of things. Like we should be creating something that's our own. I love that. And I have that same experience as well, because there's something at Ithaca that we had called field studies where it was a week. We came into the city for a week and we were in panels from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Shetler Studios. R.I.P. 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 (laughs) Same wavelength. And um, at night, we would then we would then see a show. We would then see a show that um, an Ithaca College grad was associated with. 
uh, whether or not they were in the producing team, they were in it, they wrote, they designed, whatever. And it was really cool. And the, but the panels were from like making it on Broadway, the national tour, the survival job, first year out, singer songwriters, you know, yada, 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 all, all these things. But like five days, nine to five worth of panels. And I remember my friends and I, I'm going to say judging the people that talked to us that were like, I have a chocolate shop now. Or like, I have I have a this, which is very different than multi-hyphenating if you left the industry and don't audition and aren't really a part of the theater anymore. Because I like to speak about the theatrical multi-hyphenate. Mm-hmm. But... Um, because that's my niche and like I'm not really going to talk about a corporate multi-hyphenate or a startup multi-hyphenate it's just not my experience so I can't share those stories but I can definitely talk about the theatrical multi-hyphenate and I remember us judging being like wow they just didn't have it in them or they didn't even try and being so hard on them because it was our deepest fear at that moment to be anything other than what we identified in that moment and was currently spending $60,000 a year to do. Yeah. I mean, it's, that is so profoundly true. And it is, I think so important that you're able to like articulate that now, because I think it's something that we all, we all really experience. And, And I think that's something that I would say to those like, younger kids, Mm -hmm. I guess, is like, sometimes people don't leave the industry. Sometimes people decide to like do other things or experience other areas of the industry because that, because of a quality of life or because they don't want to, um, constantly be wondering like what happens next. I mean, for me, like that's a big reason why I have become kind of this multi-hyphenate is because the jobs will go away. Even the most successful people will be unemployed. Like, you know, I'm in Mrs. Doubtfire right now and I'm looking at fucking Rob McClure, who's like, you know, it like that's someone who is not, does not have a job right now. And who is a star who has been nominated for a Tony and will probably be nominated again for a Tony. And it's like, you know, you had Brad Oscar on here. It's like you have, you are going to have moments in your career where you are not working and you have to figure out a way to support yourself during that. And I think it's easy when you're, you know, 18, 19, 20 to say, well, I'll just save up and I'll do this and I'll do that. But like one day you're going to want to retire. Maybe you want to have a family. Maybe you want to not live with a roommate. Maybe like like there is a certain thing to be said for like quality of life and figuring out how to support yourself to have have that. Um, and there, that's nothing to be ashamed of at all. I think in in fact it's something that we should applaud. We have so many other things. Like there are so many ways to make money. There are so many ways to take your personal brand as an actor, as a dancer, as a um, writer, as a photographer, and make that into a lucrative side hustle for lack of a better word. It seems like, you know, you and I booked right out of college. You know, I I did the out-of-town tryout of On the Town, 
got fired, didn't do it on Broadway. And um, I and then I, I did another show and and then I flew to Miami and did a play like I was like, I'm going to be a star. <laughs> and, then, and then I find after doing show to show to show moving to New York. I have not done a book musical or a play con a contract performance <laughs> production since 2013 and it's been truly interesting because that is that has been my life since i'm eight years old and we're, as a child actor work as a working professional child actor and uh i my i don't like to call it the survival job anymore I like to call it the for now job because it is just for now for many people. It's just for now. And my whole thing was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do retail because I think what's going to happen is I'm going to be so good at it that they're going to give me my, my own hours. They're going to let me dictate my schedule because I'm going to be so good at selling things. And um, I'm going to also do it in a place where there are like no actors like Soho. So no one has to see me do my, my for now <laughs> job. So for about, eight months i worked at a store called saban i love saban it did you work with my friend josh pemberton i think i might have actually <laughs> maybe but i was washing people's hands and telling them about shower oils and body scrubs and but what was cool was that there were industry people that were in and i actually went to final callbacks straight to final callbacks for a show um that was happening at a nearby regional theater just because I sold this guy shower oils <laughs> and he was literally like, I love your energy. Write me. I'll get you. We'll, I'll get you an appointment. And I didn't book it, but I thought that that was pretty cool and being open to those experiences and being human and, and, and that this, the, the for now job can actually be, a part of your story and that is and that is okay and that is something that I was so not open to in college mm -hmm. that fear of what you were just saying of god help me I don't want to be a teacher well and that like you're allowed to like other things like what a yeah. novel fucking con sorry am I allowed to curse what oh my god please <laughs> curse I curse I, the minute I wake up Are you great <laughs> I'm like pop four ibuprofen and just and scream just fuck. fucking scream fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like for me, that was such a novel concept that like you're allowed to enjoy other things. It just always felt like I was cheating on my craft and like cheating on right. this thing that like you hold to such a high power. And it's like, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's. Uh, it needs to start from the ground up that like, and start from like a really young age. I think we need to stop approaching creativity and the arts with this lack mentality mm -hmm. and really encourage people to be creative because, you know, from the second I said I wanted to do theater for a living, everyone's like, just so you know, you're going to make no money. It's going to be oh really God. hard. You're never going to be able to retire. Your body's going to die by the time you're 30. <laughs> and like, here are all the reasons. I'm like, but do you do it? Because right. there are people who do it. 
And here's the thing, like theater's hard and being a professional dancer, it is, it's hard on your body. Like it, it is a difficult life, but it is a very fulfilling and very rewarding life. And I think that, you know, we scare a lot of people away by saying like, your life is going to be so difficult. It's like, it doesn't always have to be. It can be really beautiful and meaningful yeah. and poignant. And, you know, you can change your mind too. I think <laughs> crazy we, idea. It's, isn't that insane? I think once that, once we infiltrate that and once we bring that into our lives, I think that affects our auditions, that affects our personal relationships in the industry, per personal and professional relationships in the industry. But I think a huge speed bump to get over is you went to a BFA program. I went to a BFA program is what is my college thinking of me? And also, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I definitely can be was part of the problem, but we we were hard on each other. My class, you know, like we were mean at times and judgmental and uh if i could and i do talk with a lot of colleges but one thing i love to say is that like support each other's journey and don't judge because i have experienced firsthand the detriment that that is i just kind of wonder how many people's stories would have been different if instead of saying like that's not your skill set stick to what you know mm -hmm. we would have like encouraged people to try new things and for in some ways i think it's almost easier when you get into like the big pond or sea or whatever analogy you want to use and you're, you're surrounded by thousands and thousands of people because you're like oh yeah, this is what I do really well. And, uh, and you know what? Sure, there are people who might be able to sing that better than me, but can they dance it better than me? Exactly. And sure, like there's just you, – you start to like kind of build this confidence, or at least for me, I started to build this confidence because I was like, this industry is so much bigger than these like 30 people who I know how they do everything. You know, I know how so-and-so is going to sing and – gesticulate with his hands. I know how this person is. I know that they got drunk last night, but they're still going to be able to build that B flat. Like yes. we know those things about all of those people in our class. But there's like a freedom of going to a place like New York or a place like Chicago or DC or wherever your place is and being one of many. Yeah. I think it gives you a little bit more freedom to like find your individuality amongst the amongst the type, mm -hmm. you know, I think things have changed a little bit now. You know, when I was graduating, it was like the jewel tone dress and the nude heels. Oh, and, the <laughs> well, and it's like that. clients still bring that to my studio and I have to, that's when I cut in and I, it's, it, well, it's more in my packet. It's in the work that we do. I say, avoid those things, bring this, think of your characters, think of the essences and all that stuff. But people still are, that jewel tone, that nude heel, that ringlet hair, it's still very embedded in the artist. And, and that's another thing like you're, you're saying it's like going into the field and going into the auditions and being like, Oh, there's a role for me. We also just, we hear more, we go, Oh, that's being written. That's awesome. Where's that being written? Or like, 
or that that standalone song is really cool that what part of the song cycle is that like i'm going to email that composer and then all of a sudden you have that relationship with that composer like those are things that you can't really do in the college circuit and I, I you could start to think about those things and start to draft those emails and figure out how you're going to net weave but it's those things that really explode when you when you turn the tassel and show up in New York or LA or wherever city you get to and that's how you could apply it and then there was a moment that happened probably around like 25 when I was in New York where I was like people want you to succeed like Every time you go into a room, that casting director is hoping that you walk in and you are it. And so it's like, instead of constantly like bringing in this desperate energy of like, what do you want? You're like, the everyone is already ready for you. Just go in and do it. And then if you're not it, it actually has very little to do with you. Most people can't articulate like why they choose person A over person B. Right. It's just like an essence or maybe it's a you know, the costumes fit this person or we've already cast the dance partner and they're taller and they you know, we need someone who's shorter. It's just it very has very little to do with you and I think that it's easy to get in this mindset where it's like all about us and we're like mm-hmm. we're like well, obviously it's because I didn't belt the note for long enough and it's just it's just not that (laughs) alex you're amazing thank you (laughs) thank you so much for coming on dear multi-hyphenate and chatting and you have a podcast as well so where can we find you where can we listen to pull it together tell us all that information yes um so i am alex mateo i'm my Broadway name is Alexandra Mateo so you can find me on Instagram at Alexandra Mateo um, and then I have a podcast called Pull It Together it's all about kind of redefining what it means to be creative I explore this relationship between wellness and creativity and the creative lens and I talk with really incredible women from all creative backgrounds um, and that is at Pull It Together Pod on Instagram or just Pull It Together on any of your podcast listening platforms alex you're the best thank you to broadway podcast network for allowing me to share stories <laughs> with them uh thank you to alan dory Britt, katie and alan for engineering this episode as always follow dear multi-hyphenate on instagram or at the michael kushner on instagram and wherever you download and listen to podcasts please rate subscribe share with your friends drop a comment all that good stuff that all helps and thank you a million times over i'd be nothing without all of you listening talk to you soon bye hey it's leslie Odom jr here on the broadway podcast network to tell you about the rise theater directory a program of maestro music Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds if you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 